With the season wrapping up, it hasn't been one filled with highlights and moments for the Pirates and their fans, but I've got Ethan Smith from Locked On Pirates to stop by and let us know that some things have gone right and may be positive moving forward aboard the Jolly Roger. This is Locked On MLB. He said as he hit the wrong button. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast where we talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, please, you look right there. You can call me Sully. And I just want to say that this episode is sponsored by our wonderful new sponsor, which is Simply Safe Home Security with Fast Protect Technology exclusively from Simply Safe. 24-7 monitoring captures evidence to accurately verify a threat for faster police response. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Visit simplysafe.com slash lockdown MLB to learn more. Uh, you can follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. Thanks so much for making us your first listen as we're available on all your free podcasting catchers. And once you listen to us, have your second listen be what should I say the second listen should be? Oh, I know Lockdown Pirates with our host uh Ethan Smith, who's our guest today. Uh, you can follow us on, as I said, Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I am your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Oh, I'm hitting all the wrong buttons right now. And uh, I, you know what? I better just get right to it. Better bring Ethan right in there. Do I have the right background at least? Hey, there you go. Yeah, there we go. A lot, uh, a lot like the Pirates, uh, mismanaged here today. <laughs> uh, yeah, the become, button's being hit wrong. <laughs> I've become a metaphor for the Pirates, but like the Pirates, I have hope for the future. Yes. Um, just a full disclosure, we are. this show is being dropped on Wednesday. We're actually recording it over the weekend, but uh, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I don't think the Pirates are going to be moving far enough up in the standings. Well... Seeing, you know, I mean, if his last couple games counted for 20 wins, then we can have a conversation. But even then, I don't even know if they would win that many games to get to that point. So, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, um, yeah, another, uh, I'll go out on a limb and call it a triple digit loss season. And, uh, there's still hope. Uh, there's, there's still, still hope. hope they could go five, uh, four and one in their last five and avoid it. Which okay, well, you're listening to us. In the, you're listening to us in the future, so you'll know for sure whether or not they did that or not. Um, but uh, you know, it was a year. Let's. Uh, it, they didn't contend. Uh, is that safe to say they didn't contend? Uh, uh, well, I mean, they have a winning record against the Dodgers and the Yankees. So, well, there you go. And and if if we're doing this like the heavyweight championship of the world, they would have a shot. Um, yeah, this is a Derek Shelton squad. Ben Charrington at the helm. Um, you know, they let's just go through a little bit. You know, the Pirates had a, it was a rough, it was a rough, let's see, we're going to their scare. We go to baseballreference.com, sitting where it's on the history of the planet Earth. Uh, they started the season off nine and 12. They did not have a winning record in any of the months of the season. 
No. Um, they were 20 and 26 in one run games. They were four and eight in extra inning games. And they were, you know, they were sub, they were 410 at home winning percentage, 342 on the road. Uh, they were, they lost all their games to the Braves. Um, okay. Um, yeah, I'm me, not here. exactly me, exactly me when I watch this team play this year. Okay, <laughs> this happened. Now, now, just the listeners of Lockdown MLB know that Ethan and I have been kind of, you know, doing a little email tag in terms of I'd like to have Ethan back on the show. And I was talking about it as if we were going to be, I knew if we did to bring Kleenex, if we needed to bring wine, I didn't know what was going on here. And when you and I were, you know, going back and forth, you implied to me that there were some bright lights to this season and some positivity. And I like to see the half, you know, the glass half full. So, uh, Ethan Smith, for those of us who don't follow the Pirates as closely as you do, walk us through it. I want to just say one thing, because inevitably I'll get a Pirate listener saying that I'm a Pirate hater. I am not. The Pirates have always been one of my favorite teams. The first World Series I watched and had memories of it was the 79 World Series. I love reading about the history of the Pirates. Some of my all-time favorite players were Pirate greats. I would love to see the Pirates do well. So this is not Pirate hate on my part. I'd love to see this team turn it around. So Ethan Smith, talk me through it. Well, you look at this team from a numerical standpoint, and you can tell, okay, it's not good. It's pretty bad lack thereof. But then you look deeper and one, the one issue last year in 2021. And I think when I was on your show last year, I told you this, there was just nothing of promise for the future outside of key Brian Hayes and Brian Reynolds. We knew O'Neill Cruz was going to eventually be on the way. And he eventually was on the way this year because he sat out for the first three months of the year in AAA for whatever reason possible. It just felt a little different this year. It felt like we got to see, some of what the foundation of this team is going to be over the next half decade or the foundation of what this team is going to be even for the next couple of years. You look at Key Brian Hayes. They signed him to the biggest deal in Pirates history, eight years, $80 million or $70 million. I know. That sounds like so much money, right? We just watched Shohei Otani get $30 million for one season. So that still tells you the levels here in terms of baseball and pay. Brian Reynolds is still here. He's been talked about being traded since I started this podcast two years ago. He's still here. O'Neill Cruz is here. He's a stat cast legend at this point. He does so many different things so well. He's only going to get better. Rodolfo Castro comes out of nowhere after dropping his phone out of his pocket in Arizona. Ever since that happened, he's batting like 275 and slugging really well. And he's a switch hitter. I think he has potential. They just picked up Miguel Andujar a guy who was a former top 100 pick or a top 100 prospect. You never know. The change of scenery might be well for him. Then you're talking about the lower level guys like Jack Sawinski, Cal Mitchell. You look at some of the pitching right now. Rowanzi Contreras has some uh, supplemented himself. Mitch Keller finally looks like he's figured it out. David Bednar is one of the better closers in baseball when healthy. There's other things to like about it, like Luis Ortiz and Johan Oviedo, along with the fact that you got to keep in mind that Quinn Priester, Henry Davis, Andy Rodriguez, and all these other prospects are also going to come in in 2023. Am I going to sit here and tell you the Pirates are going to have a 2022 Orioles-esque season next year? No. 
but this team is going to look a thousand times different and a thousand times better than it has the last three years next year because the youth is only going to continue pumping through because if I'm going to give Ben Charrington something, the guy knows how to draft talent. Mm -hmm. His talent's not even here yet. So we don't even know what it's going to be when he's still dealing with guys from the last regime that are just now making their debuts at the major league level. By the way, Bryce Wilson pitched. He did not have a very good season this year, but he pitched a very good game the other day uh, for the Pirates. Uh, You know, it's funny that when you have teams that go on like the seemingly endless rebuild processes, sometimes you get to see it coalesce. We're starting to see that with Baltimore. And I was going to bring up Baltimore uh, because they, you know, ever since Buck Showalter refused to bring in Zach Britton in the 2016 wildcard game, the Orioles have been the definition of irrelevant. I've picked number one several times. Well, that's finally starting to come to fruition. Uh, I remember in 2013, I've been, I've compared this Orioles team to the 2013 Kansas city Royals because that was the year a lot of those young players came up and they've had their first winning season. Same things happened in Baltimore this year. You're seeing some of the players like, you know, the Pirates got a little grief from some people about the, the, the Hayes signing, but that was a little bit of both the Pirates and Hayes agreeing, look, we're going to invest in each other. You mm-hmm. know, Hayes could flame out and be, but the Pirates are saying, Look, we'll overpay for you now. We have no obligation to do that. But we're going to show you. We want you to stick around for this. And Hayes knowing, yeah, it's sort of like playing deal or no deal. You know, Mm -hmm. he could pick the suitcase that's $400 million, or he could pick the suitcase that he gets hurt and he's DFA'd in two years. You know, things can fall apart for players in an awful hurry. And so I think that was just – and that may have been also um, a sign to the team itself – as if to say, we're going to invest in you guys. We don't just look at you as players that we're just going to ship off. We're, you know, the nanosecond you ask for a raise. And so that could be a sign of things, you know, looking slightly better. And as you mentioned, um, you know, the, the Henry Davises of the world are still on the way up. But in some ways, and on the, we'll get to that in a second, but in some ways, the signing of, of Cabrian Hayes is a way to protect the team so they know that they could have this star and not have to worry about him looking over his shoulder for arbitration, everything like that. And the player knowing that he's getting his millions of dollars beforehand. So it's a way to ensure kind of give that peace of mind and safety that you may have when you basically ensure and protect your franchise. Yeah. Kind of like it's simply safe. Kind of like what Simply Safe does for your home. Sorry, I was going into an ad read there. The numbers don't lie. In the past decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. And you don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. It's Simply Safe. Your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my home. I really do. They protect you with cutting edge technology. Powered by 24-7 personal monitoring agents who will always have your back. I love it because Simply Safe makes home security come first. You get to use their apps. You get to put it on your phone. You get to monitor where you your cameras are working. 
It's fantastic with a 24-7 monitoring agent or simply safe tech support staff in case there's any issues. With 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency if you're not home or can't be reached. Simply Safe blankets your home in protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cams inside, outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat's real, and even hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. Our monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm when a break-in is real, so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB, and you can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month for free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB to learn more. There is no safe like Simply Safe. We're here with Ethan Smith of Locked On Pirates. You didn't know I was going into an ad read. Um, <laughs> let's, uh, we, 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 Hinted at Cabrian Hayes. Uh, let's talk about your other big star who came up. And again, when I say big star, I realize that O'Neill Cruz is not putting up numbers that will win him the rookie of the year this year. But sometimes, just because you didn't explode onto the scene as a superstar, sometimes you have your growing pain. Sometimes you need to get a sense of the league and of, the, of how to fit in with the team. And uh, you know what? If you're going to do that, do it in a year where you're not contending and do it in a time where he knows the team has his back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And um, I think a lot of people get lost in the just statistics of the game, which I do too. Statistics is what baseball is. It's a bunch of numbers that are all piled on the baseball reference, as Sully has said, the single best website ever in made. The history of the planet Earth. Yes. And yeah, I mean, it sucks. You look at his batting average, you immediately think, okay, what, what's going on here? He's batting like 230-something. Okay, but people are considering that if Aaron Judge was not hitting 61 home runs, that Kyle Schwarber would arguably be having one of the best seasons we've seen in a very long time, batting 230 with 42 home runs. So it, it you have to look past the stats sometimes. And when you look at O'Neill Cruz, the knocks on him were, can a 6-7 guy play shortstop? He's yeah. learned to, instead of throwing the ball 105 mile per, uh, miles per hour from that spot, he slowed it down a little bit because he realized he was getting wild, throwing throwing errors, all that stuff, etc. You can't do that. He's been learning things. And as you mentioned, even Mike Trout didn't burst onto the scene and immediately become like this crazy guy right off the bat. I mean, look at Oswaldo Cabrera. They're already comparing his stats to Trout because they're better. There's a lot of guys you can look at and say that their stats were better than Trout's through his first, like, 60 games. O'Neal Cruz is only going to continue to get better because he is athletically gifted. There, I mean, you look at the guy, he's, what, 6'7", two, like, 210 pounds, has crazy light speed, crazy light tower power. I mean, you could say anything about the kid. As long as he stays healthy and continues to improve, He's your shortstop of the future, and I don't see any other way that you put it. I just, I don't. And I know that might be biased. I just want to hear somebody give me a reason as to why he will not pan out to be a top player and a part of the foundation of this team. Yeah, and sometimes you need to have someone 
have those growing, as I said, have those growing pains at the major league level. I mean, you take a look at the first couple of years of someone, even someone like Jose Ramirez of Cleveland. His first couple of years, he was up and down and up and down and up and down. Now he's a legitimate all-star every year, MVP candidate every year. You know, we get spoiled when you have someone explode onto the scene and superstar, and it looks like they were just, you know, forged on Mount Olympus and placed perfectly onto the squad. You know, I, I think one of the reasons why a team like the Pirates this year, you know, brought him up when he brought up, I think they should be bringing up almost all their stars is because you have a chance, if you're making the commitment like you did with Cabrian Hayes, then you should make that commitment with your team to sort of say, look, at if you're going to learn, learn in the major league level, mm-hmm. because, you know, get your bumps, get your nicks, get your, your bruises out now and figure the game out. And, you know, I, I'm, there's some, you know, obviously they're going to have their, they have some pitching coming up. Hopefully Henry Davis is going to be a centerpiece to the team for a long time. Um, who's their big, uh, uh, you know, uh, Quinn, uh, is it Quinn Priester? Is that how you pronounce his name? Uh, Priester, actually. Priester. Yep. Yep. And he's one of their top prospects who they're hoping could be, you know, uh, be one of their anchors for the rotation. What do you think about the, the, I mean, we see Contreras has pitched pretty well this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Mitch Keller has pitched okay this year. We've seen flashes with Bryce Wilson. Do they have an ace budding in their system? Priester probably has the best chance, but then you're also looking at another guy like Michael Burrows, who could potentially be that. Luis Ortiz, who's had a few cameo starts over the last couple of weeks, could potentially do that kind of thing. I would opt to say no, but I would rather take a solid five-man rotation Mm -hmm. over one ace. That's just how you have to think of it as a, like, rebuilding team, is what would you rather have? Would you rather have one good pitcher, or would you rather have three? Because if you have three... That's where you hope that everything works out for you. If you have three guys, so say you already have Contreras, Keller's a guy that you can look at and potentially say, okay, he could be a guy too. Add Priester to that mold, and then you're really talking already. Then all you have to do is go sign two guys out of free agency or hope that the rest of the guys pan out. You're working with house money at that point because then you're not really paying much for these guys, if we're being honest, on top of the fact that you're also – building internally and you control how these guys are paid. So that's what I think the hope is. And what I would hope the rotation pans out to be is Rowanzi, Mitch Keller, Luis Ortiz, Quinn Priester, and Michael Burroughs as of this exact moment. But we will have to wait and see because you have to see what Michael Burroughs does. You have to see what Johan Oviedo turns out to be. Cody Bolton, Carmen Majinski, Tanaj Thomas. There's a lot of names that are going to have to be figured out. Is this a starter or is this a bullpen arm? You know what usually is the downfall of these teams, especially the low market teams, they don't have pitching. They might have the hitting, but they don't have the pitching. It's one thing I praise Cleveland and Tampa Bay for doing all the time. They know how to develop pitching. And at some point you might have to offload it, but while you have it, it's really nice. Now last year or this, uh, I guess this, uh, what was it? What was the draft? This June? Uh, yes. The- Pirates had the number four pick overall, uh, and they picked uh, Tamar Johnson, who is a, a high school shortstop from Georgia. 
Now, chances are now he's probably a few years away because he's still a teenager right now. Yes. Uh, and pro- he was drafted as a shortstop. But let's face it, most high school kids play shortstop because they're the best player on their team. And shortstop is the, the mm-hmm. you're not going to put your best player in your team. Oh, he's in right field. You know, mm-hmm. he's so the odds of him being a shortstop in the major league is probably non-existent. Um what is the overall feeling about him as a prospect? And oh, I'll ask the side. Let me ask that question, and then I have a next question to kind of follow up along those lines. Uh, well, when Termar Johnson was drafted, uh, Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked On MOB Prospects, immediately told me this guy's the best pure hitter in the draft. Mm-hmm. I loved hearing that. He also told me that he profiles more as a second baseman. The sound of Termar Johnson and O'Neill Cruz being in the middle infield in the next three or four years when he eventually comes up if he pans out correctly, I like the sound of that. He's very, like I don't want to say small because he's stocky, but I think he's only like 5'11", 6 foot. I can't remember how tall he is, but he's very stocky. But he uses it to his advantage in his power element. He can hit singles, doubles. He can hit home runs. Again, as you mentioned, he's still a teenager. I'm saying all this just based off of what I've seen from high school and what Lindsay has told me. So, obviously, he's had a couple of games in low A Bradenton. I don't put much stock into that. I'm just like, okay, cool. He's been here for like two months. How's he going to be in three years when we actually need him? If the timeline projects and the Pirates have a 2013 to 2015-esque kind of run, which I think is going to start in 2024 through 2026, I think Johnson's going to be that top prospect in 2025, 2026 that comes up as a kind of energizer bunny to whatever run they're trying to make, be it the division, the wild card. And I think he'll slot right in either as a DH, which I know you still find very weird in the National League or as a second baseman, depending on what's going on. And I even find it weird because the Pirates don't really have a true DH and they've been flip-flopping it all year with all different kinds of guys. And it's, I just, I still find it weird too. But at the end of the day, Termar Johnson, lots of hype around the kid. I think he's going to be just fine. It's just, I'll be paying my own health insurance by the time he's a, uh, by the time he's a major league player. So that gives you an idea of how far away he is. Well, then you could, between now and then, you just bounce Rodolfo Castro wherever he's needed to sort yeah. of have to be, become the super sub, the sort of the Ben Zobrist of the team. Uh, they're probably going to have a very high draft pick this year. Yes. Um, again, I'm jumping way ahead here. And obviously, when you have a pick, you try to pick the best talent available, regardless of position or need. That being said, wouldn't you think that a team like this that does have some decent hitters in their system and they'll have a very high pick, probably one of the top three or four picks in the in the draft, wouldn't it behoove them? to say who's the best pitcher available, who's the pitcher that we can put just plunk, put right into our system and develop to be the anchor of our staff. I mean, I obviously, obviously, if there's if there's a great talent available sitting there and, oh, my God, it's a five-tool potential franchise player available at this pick, you got to pick them. But it's short of that, if you say, God, we got this guy that, I don't know, at, at Vanderbilt who looks like he's going to be, you know, Jacob DeGrom all over again. Shouldn't you pounce and just sort of throw that one into your system? I, yeah. And I mean, I agree with you too, though. Like it really goes into the idea of, okay, do you pick the generational guy or do you go for need? 
I do think the MLB draft, unlike many other drafts, a lot of the talent and a lot of the success that a team has is not found in the first round. That might sound crazy to a lot of people when I say that, but the first round talent can be great. He could be one guy, but what really ends up being the big thing here is when you can draft in the later rounds, which is what the Pirates have been putting an emphasis on is pitching. If you do look at the draft list from this year, after they got Termar Johnson, they put a big focus on pitching. I believe they drafted like at least 10 pitchers in the 20 rounds that were in the MLB draft. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but I know it was a pretty high number. So I think they would still opt to go the best player available route, especially having that high of a pick. Now, if they were like 10th or 15th in the draft, then I think you could be like, okay, we need a pitcher. We need to get a pitcher. That's where I think you could kind of have that mindset. But when you're that high, as you mentioned before, take the best guy available. You just have to. I think that's just how that ends up playing out every single year. And the other thing is, too, unlike other drafts, you're not going to see these guys for at least three years most of the time. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, that's obviously the other thing and why, you know, in the end, I mean, I, I said that as basically, you know, to you know, obviously we're talking completely hypothetical here, but it's the reason why you you draft best talent no matter who you have, because if, if it's going to take two, three, four years for them to gestate, you don't know what your major league roster is going to look like. You don't know if someone's hurt, need to be traded, something happened, someone fell apart. So you just always got to grab who's the best current player, who's the best current player. And also, you know, we've seen one of the reasons why there were great runs that have happened by some of the teams, uh, you know, like Washington and like uh, Kansas City, who built up World Series champion from the bottom up, is and also Houston. I'll throw Houston in there, even though you know it's a controversial title they won. Is mm-hmm. that sometimes you also have to fill up your farm system with trade chips? Yeah, and you do. To say you need to make sure that you can a be, maybe trade someone higher up and know that you can fill them in with their with the organizational depth or to you know to develop chips that will be able to put your team over the top. I think that it's, it's all, um, you know, it's all key and, and needs to be built up through the draft. Yeah, 100%. And when you're a team like the Pirates, who has an owner that chooses not to spend money that everybody knows that he has, when you're the GM, what's your first thought? I have to build through the draft and I have to build internally. I think that has to be the first thought that you have. If it's not, then you're just not going to have success here. And that's what we've seen so far. But one thing that I do like from the Pirates that also gives me hope for the next couple of years is they sure know how to find these free agent pitchers. They traded Mm -hmm. them the last two years. But look at Tyler Anderson and Jose Quintana now. Tyler Anderson's in L.A. doing a very phenomenal job. Jose Quintana has supplemented himself on a playoff roster in St. Louis now in the rotation. They know how to find the guys. Look at Clay Holmes. Yeah, now you just have to keep them at some point. So that's where I think... The emphasis in 2022 with the offseason that we have coming up, I think that is going to play some part. But we also need to remember there's a lot of guys the Pirates still need to get looks on to see if they already have the answers in the system because I'm here to tell you they might have the answers in the system already. And do you think Derek Shelton is the right guy moving forward? I, I want to say nothing because I'm not sure. I, I, know I will remember. I will remind you that you're under oath. I will say yes until I see him with a full roster, like a full, competent, good roster. 
And then if he starts, because he has mismanaged the bullpen and the starting pitching a lot in his tenure, and I don't appreciate it. That's all I could say. Okay, we're here with Ethan Smith of Lockdown Pirates. Um, you know, I've I grew up in New England as a big Red Sox fan, and I do this podcast now with it. I basically, I've kind of put my fan hat on the side a little bit. It helps that the Red Sox stunk this year, but uh, I also am trying to just focus on the game as a whole. And I have found that when I don't really have a dog in the fight, I have some of the most fun Octobers in my life mm-hmm. because I don't have the emotional anxiety of rooting for a team. So I can just sort of latch on to a team. Say, I'm going to follow this team or I'm going to hope for this team or, or sometimes just see the drama unfold. Now I'm going to say something mean, but as a pirate fan, um, all but three years of your life, you haven't had your team in the postseason. So you must be kind of used to this concept of trying to find a narrative of the teams that we know are going to the postseason. We, 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 um, as we're recording, it's the only thing we don't know is the final National League wildcard spot. And with all due respect to Philadelphia and Milwaukee, I don't think either one of them are going to win the World Series this year. Um, it, those are fit, which means go to bet online and bet on both of those because I'm, my predictions tend to be wrong. Uh, I'm not talking about who you want. I'm not asking for your picks. I'm asking who are you pulling for? Who would you like to see win? Uh, in in either leagues, or or maybe you have multiple wishes. I think it's very easy for me to pick a team in this fight, and I think it's a it's it. I don't. I know. I keep saying these are cop out answers, but I'm not really sure. I don't know. When you look at all the playoff teams, and I'm sure you've probably talked about this on Locked on MLB already. I'm 23, going on 24 at the end of the month. There's a team that technically in my lifetime has only been in the postseason twice, I think. Now, I don't even know if it's that many times. They haven't been there since I was three years old. And that's the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, they were in 2000, 2000, 2001. Yeah, so how as like a guy who, as you mentioned, has not really seen success from my team, well... They haven't seen success in terms of even making the playoffs in 21 years. That's easy for me to latch on to because Seattle, you look at the whole team just in general, like ex- exclude the fact they haven't been there in 21 years. Julio Rodriguez is just really fun to watch. They have a good pitching staff. Adam Frazier's there, former Pirate, and their fans are just so into it. They just really are. Like, I remember last year when they lost to the Angels and they were this close to breaking that streak, I said, they're going to be back. Here yep. they are. And I think they're easy to latch on to. I would also say just because in the NL, I'll give an NL answer, I do think I'm pulling for the Padres a little bit mm-hmm. because I want to see a team that finally decided to go all in be rewarded for it. Right. Because you don't see it a lot in baseball with teams that aren't the Dodgers, the Mets, the Braves, the you know, the major teams that we've seen in the postseason as of late. San Diego has a feel about them where it's like, okay, we have went for it all at this point. And there's a certain player on that team that would be very helpful right now in their playoff push, but we won't get into that. That's a conversation for another day. 
But when they went all in and got Juan Soto, I said, okay, this is a rootable team. Like, you can sit there and say, okay, I can comfortably root for San Diego in the postseason because at least A.J. Preller had the balls to go and, like, basically trade half his farm system for one of the better players in all of baseball who hasn't played like it since he got to San Diego. But I would honestly, if you had to ask me my Dream World Series matchup, that's probably what it would be. Juan Soto versus Julio Rodriguez, Seattle versus San Diego, and all West Coast World Series. I think it would be phenomenal. I think it would be marketable, and I think it would be two fan bases that are just really hungry for good baseball that haven't had it in quite some time. I think that's that's a great pick. Uh, obviously, the Mariners are the only team to never, the only franchise in baseball to never appear in a World Series mm-hmm. uh, of the current franchises. Um, and uh, and this would be if it was Seattle versus San Diego. Uh, I would love that matchup. I would truly love that matchup uh, uh, for the players, for the fact that they are two kind of underdog franchises over the years. Uh, it would be the first time since 1980 that we had a World Series matchup um, between two teams that had never won a World Series. Mm-hmm. In fact, in the last 100 years, in the last 100 seasons, we've only had one matchup in the World Series between two teams that had never won the World Series. And that was 1980. The year before that was 1920. Mm-hmm. When it was the Dodgers and the, then they were called the Indians then. So, yeah, I love it because then you would know. You would know whichever team won, that would be the greatest year in that franchise, in that fan base's history. Obviously, Seattle has had, uh, and I'm showing my cards a little bit of which team I'd be pulling for. I'm wearing my Seattle Pilots shirt. I'm also a proud graduate of Washington State University. Um, but... You know, Seattle's had so many great players. Griffey, A-Rod, Edgar Martinez, Ichiro Suzuki, Randy Johnson, Felix Hernandez. All these people had played so many great years, and they couldn't couldn't bust into the World Series. And San Diego, who has had Tony Gwynn and some others, intensely lovable players, and they've only won one World Series game. The two times they made the World Series, they had to face the 84 Tigers, were the best team, best American League team of that decade, and then the '98 Yankees, who may have been the greatest team I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that they couldn't even catch a break when they made it to the World Series, uh, I've always called San Diego Buffalo by the Sea because they are a cursed sports fan base, but they will never get the credit for being a cursed fan base because the weather is so beautiful. You, know, yeah. you need to almost have that sense of shoveling a driveway while lamenting a Super Bowl loss or a World Series loss instead of going to the beach. And in some ways, that makes San Diego even more sympathetic because they have all the misery of those fan bases, but they can't share in it because of the beauty of the city that they live in. So yeah. uh, I, I would love that. I would just say I would also I'm a huge Terry Francona fan on I, and the and. I would love to see Cleveland finally get off the schneid. Uh, and also someone who's wanted to see the Indians' name change for a long time. I would find there'd be something delicious if they win the World Series the first year after the name change. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. It would be some ironic stuff if they win the World Series after the name change. But going back to what you were saying about the fan bases with Seattle and um, San Diego, 
uh, Seattle just exited in another sport, the prime of that team. Seattle Seahawks won a couple of Super Bowls. Russell Wilson's gone. That team's rebuilding. They just get a hockey team in Seattle Kraken rebuilding team because they just started. San Diego, for instance, literally they lost, lost their football the team. They yeah, they lost, their lost football a, team. yeah, they lost a football team. If we all remember way back when, they lost a basketball team in the San Diego Clippers that then jumped off to L.A. The Padres are the only thing that city has anymore. So for them to win a World Series, and as you mentioned, they've only won one game in their entire history in a World Series, It w- I, I don't even know if San Diego would be able to survive it. The beaches would be nuts. The entire city would go crazy. I, and again, I want to see A.J. Preller. I don't want the guy to get fired for doing something right, right. in my opinion. Because I, I, at this point, one, San Diego is basically a lock for the, uh, the postseason, I would say. I believe they already clinched, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. But I feel it would be unfair for this guy to get fired for pretty much saying, okay, give me Josh Bell, give me Juan Soto, give me um, Brandon Drury, give me like all these guys, you know? Josh Hader. Josh Hader as well. Yeah. And I I just feel it would be unfair for him to, and because you know, if they do underperform in the postseason, say they get to the wild card and get swept by the Mets or whoever they're going to play. I believe it would actually be the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken, because the Cardinals are going to be the third um, the third team there. But say that, that like St. Louis sweeps them in the wild card round. You know A.J. Preller's gone. You know he is. I mean, because mm-hmm. at that point, yeah, you finally made the playoffs, but what did you do when you got there? Now, I think if they win the wild card, he's fine, because you could say, okay, Tatis will be back next year after the stuff that happened, hopefully. And then you have him come back and you hold on to Soto, you hold on to Bell, who I believe is a free agent, if I'm not mistaken, and you run it back. That's no big deal. But if we're looking at what I think it's going to be, I know you didn't ask, but what I think it's going to be, I would think, and this is me being 100% serious, that you are going to have two teams that wear red and blue be in the World Series. Cleveland and Atlanta. I think that's going to be the World Series this year. Cleveland is a sneaky good oh, yeah. team. Yeah, they, very they sneaky. Are, they are the Yankees' nightmare. Oh, one hundred percent. Yankees. That um, yeah, they have to get past who they have to play first. But yes, if they do end up playing New York, good luck because that's yeah. going to be very fun. That'd be interesting. Well, and it would also be interesting. Always listening to Lockdown Pirates. So, Ethan Smith, tell people we can listen to your show. Well, wherever you found Sully's show, you can find mine. I'm sure it'll probably pop up somewhere when you look up Locked on MLB. Find it on YouTube, Spotify, Odyssey, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at MVP underscore Ethan or at Locked on Pirates. Off-season talk is here. Going to be doing player grades. We're going to have uh, Gary Morgan on sometime before you see this. We're going to have J.D. Haffron on sometime before you see this. So it's going to be a fun and busy week. I'm also working on getting a new microphone. I'm seeing your guys's comments you love the you they love the presentation they love everything they just say the microphone needs a tool fix i'm working on it it will be an off-season fix that will happen just like the pirates are going to fix this team in the off-season heading into 2023 quick question do you think the pirates should draft the microphone if they're that high up to yes Yes. You should pick on the microphone. Well, I mean, you, remember the joke solely when I first started that I was going to get traded to another podcast for prospects to be named later. I think I made that joke. 
Um, follow us at Lockdown MLB Pods on Twitter and Instagram. I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Talking Pirates with a man who knows his Pirates. That's Ethan Smith. This has been Lockdown MLB. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Thank <laughs> you.